you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. Week to week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure that is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Corinthians, the second chapter. I'd like to take your attention into the word of the Lord for a little while this morning. 1 Corinthians, chapter 2. And I'm going to read about five verses from this passage of Scripture. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and I will begin with verse number 12. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth. Notice this now, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. There's a great lesson here. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind... Of the Lord. Everybody say the mind of the Lord. That he may instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ. But we have the mind of Christ. With the help of the Lord this morning, I want to speak to you for a little while on having the mind of Christ having the mind of Christ. Would you pray with me now over the word of the Lord? Lord, we thank you this morning for your word. I thank you today, O God, that your word speaks so clearly into our spirits this morning. I pray, God, over every heart and every mind and every life. I pray, Lord, that your word goes forth today, not void, but falls upon hearts that are willing to receive your word. In Jesus' name. God bless you today. You can be seated. Amen. Having the mind of Christ. Now, how many of you know what it is to be absent-minded? No, you don't have to lift your hand. 
and just seeing if anybody was awake out there this morning. Do you ever pay any attention how many people you meet in life that have bad thinking? People just have, I'm going to call it the inability to think properly. Now, I'm going to tell you what I'm doing right now. And that is that I'm moving out front because we have some lighting issues that are going on. And I have lights that are flickering and they are bugging me this morning. So is it all right if I get a little closer to you today? We fought with it a little bit last week, thought we had it resolved, but evidently we didn't. So I'll just get a little closer to you. I can look Paula in the eye now when I'm speaking this morning. Might need to do that. Far, far too many people that we meet just simply have poor thinking. You talk to them, you don't have to talk to them very long, and you figure out, I don't know, I don't even know where this person's coming from. Okay, you don't ever deal with that. I have a hard time relating to some people because our the basis of our thinking is like from two different worlds. Now, in laying a groundwork for what I want to talk to you about today in having the mind of Christ, Our text clearly declares that there is a distinction between the mind of the world and the mind of Christ. The world promotes wrong thinking. As a matter of fact, for many, many, many years, there has been an agenda to desensitize the world. For the last many, many years here, I have watched as society, and I'm being careful here, but particularly Hollywood, the movie industry, television in general, there has been a hidden agenda Behind so much of the programming. And it's wrong thinking. I declare it's wrong thinking because it is unbiblical thinking. It is against the things of God. Thus it is wrong thinking. Our text this morning declares there is a distinction between... Godly thinking and worldly thinking. Anything that promotes the world's agenda, the flesh, things that are evil, things that are not of God, is defined in this text as wrong thinking. But then the scripture declares that Not everybody has wrong thinking, but we which are of Christ would have 
Christ's thinking. Or we would have the, the mind of Christ. It is, it is a like-mindedness. The Apostle Paul even uses that term as he writes about being like-minded. Now, why is this so important to us today? Proverbs, the 23rd chapter, for those of you who was part of our Proverbs series last year, knows that we taught through Proverbs, the 23rd chapter, and the Bible deals so much with the mind or the heart. It, is, it, speaks, it speaks of the mind as the heart because it talks about the heart thinking. And we all understand the heart does not think, but at the very core of our being, our mind thinks and it settles into our spirit. It's speaking of the whole of a person. And Proverbs chapter 23 verse 7 says, For as he thinketh, in his heart, so is he. As he thinketh in his heart, so is he. So as a man thinketh, so there he goes. So our thinking will always precede our acting. Let me help you with this. Now it happens in a split second. For some of us, we may be a little slower than others, but... My reaction time is not quite as quick today as it was when I was 20. But you hardly have to take time to think. It's like breathing. How many of you sit and tell yourself, take another breath? It happens without your thinking. The same is true with pain. You set your hand, touch your hand to a stove. As it gets close to that stove, you start feeling the heat and you pull back very quickly. You don't have to stop and say, now I feel heat. What am I supposed to do? But you have an ability to think so quickly and respond so quickly that just before you touched that hot iron this morning. You pull that hand back. Because without, you say without thinking, but the truth is, is it all happens so involuntarily in your mind because it, you are programmed. It is there. You already know that hot means bad. Real hot means burn. And so you know to respond and to remove yourself from it. So before there is ever an action, now I want you to think with me now, all of the processes, and I don't even have, I'm only going to scratch the surface of this, but as your hand, the sensors in your hand, the, the sense of touch, as you begin to touch something, uh, the senses that are in your hand, the, the nerves send a signal up through to your brain that tells your brain, that is hot. You know that hot will burn. And so therefore, 
as you quickly, through your brain, know that's hot, don't touch, your brain tells your all the way down to your fingertips to even pull back. You've got muscles in your fingers, muscles in your arms, muscles in your hands, muscles in your leg because you jump. Think of all of the processes that goes through in a split second. It is involuntarily. The writer begins to talk about our response or our reflexes to our how they are correlated in our thinking that our actions will follow what we have programmed in our mind. That's why we have to be careful what we tolerate. If we tolerate something long enough, we will become used to it, accustomed to it. And it will become part of our new normal. So, what you think really does matter. Because as you think, in your heart, the writer said, or in your in the depth of your being, as you really feel about something, as you really think about something, that is the direction that you're going to go. Did you know that if your mental thought process is one of constant defeat, that you are more likely to live a defeated life? Now, I'm not here telling you that everything that you, I'm not, I'm not declaring a name it, claim it kind of doctrine here this morning, but I am telling you that your negative thoughts will not help you. That's why we ought to be careful how we, how we speak about things. If we, if, if. If every time we speak about our spouse, it is in a negative connotation. Before long, you know what you're going to always see when you see your spouse? Well, nobody going to help the preacher this morning. If what we focus on, what we focus on will be most likely the first thing that we see. Sometimes your spouse don't even need to hear. They, they're not the one that needs to hear you say, wow, you look beautiful today. Sometimes you need to hear yourself say that. Because what is in the depth of your thinking, what is in your mind, what is in your thought process, will show up into your action. If you live life saying that I, I can't, I see no way out, it's always negative. It is always, everything is negative. And all that I see is the negative. All I see is the bad side of things. The more you see, the more you will see. Now I know this is deep teaching this morning. That's why, think with me here now. 
How many of you, uh, you ever have a day that you just feel bad? Mm-hmm. Just feel bad. Well, then some of you don't ever feel bad. Wow. All right, next Sunday, I want all the folks that don't feel bad, I want you right up on the front rows. Those of you who never feel bad, I want you on the front row because you ought to be the one that's leading this place in worship. But some of us, we come and have to offer a sacrifice of praise once in a while. Sometimes we, we, we don't feel good. Now, the Scripture actually gives us some very clear teaching in there being a difference in how we feel and how we handle our feelings. Anybody with me this morning? Because if you don't control your feelings, your feelings will control you. And so just because we don't feel well doesn't give us an an excuse. But any of you who raised your hand and said, I have days that I don't feel well, knows that when you don't feel well, sometimes we can have a tendency. To wear our feelings on on our shoulders. I heard that Henry Ford in the early days of hiring high-level staffing that someone came in and they were highly, highly educated and highly qualified for the job at hand. And as he went through the interview process that the person came in, they talked just for a minute, started asking questions. They were The person was answering them perfectly when... Henry Ford trumped the whole team and said, Next! The team was astounded. They couldn't imagine why that he used his veto power and just trumped all of their their thinking, this is going so well. And he walked out and his response to the team when they said, Why did you just pass on this incredibly qualified individual he said I don't like their face and one of his other high level executives said to him according to the storyline that I read sir don't you know the person can't help how they look he said the person can help how they wear their looks. You may not be able to help the face that God gives you, but you can help the expression on it. You can't help what you go through, but you can help how you handle going through it. And how you handle going through it will have a lot to do with the thought processes that you are putting into your mind. If I am always putting into my mind how bad it is, how terrible it is, how horrible it is, then that is the first thoughts because I have fed myself with the negativity. And it's the first thing that will come out. A man's life, for the, for the most part, A man's life is what his thoughts make of it. 
If you allow yourself to wallow in despair, then you'll never see the hope of a better day. You'll live with that negativity. You'll allow it to come forth, and it lives on the outside what is going on on the inside. The Bible says so much about the mind. The mind is mentioned directly about 95 times in the King James Version of the Bible, but it is referred to over 1,000 times in the text. This is why your mind is so very important. Why does the Bible say so much about our mind? Because our mind controls our thoughts, our words, and our actions. Because from the abundance of the heart, from the overflow of the heart, is what will come out through your words and your actions, our thoughts are rooted in two key sources. Our, our scripture text gives us today two key sources of all of our thoughts, where they are rooted from. First of all, our thoughts are either rooted from the corruption of the world or our thoughts are rooted and dictated to us by the Spirit of Christ. There's a lot of things that we do or don't do. And, and a lot of people have asked me questions. Why, why do you feel certain ways about certain things? And so I'm going to take my liberty this morning, maybe odd on a Sunday morning, for me to address some of these issues. But I, I'm going to address them. Some people say, Pastor, I've heard you uh, speak against uh, Christians watching certain movies and, and uh, particularly uh, horror-type movies or uh, sexually... Uh, charged movies, um, movies with extreme violence. Uh, why, why, why do you feel this? What, what, because what we put into our minds will dictate our thought processes and what we feel is okay. If we constantly feed our flesh on sexually explicit material. Can I be kind to get my point across this morning? Then it is what our thought process, it is the first place our thought process will go to because we're of the flesh. And so the more we feed that, although we may say, well, I enjoy this or I enjoy that, the more you feed it, the more you're going to enjoy it. Now, I, I'm going to hurt some of your feelings this morning. I don't drink coffee. And I'm going to tell you the reason that I don't drink coffee. Because I don't like how it tastes. And I've had a lot of people tell me that you need to learn to drink coffee. You'll be in a better mood on Sunday morning. <laughs> and so I'm like, I don't get it. I, I try, I've tried it and I've tried it and I've tried it. Now, I have discovered if I pour a glass of milk 
and I'd take a little bit of coffee. And I pour the coffee down the sink. It doesn't affect the milk at all. <laughs> so people tell me it's an acquired taste. It's an acquired taste. You can learn to drink it. I would suppose. Now, I know some of you were born drinking coffee. And so today, you're probably here this morning, you have it intravenously being pumped. <laughs> you have. <laughs> so my point is, is I do not deny the fact that I could probably learn to drink coffee. And the older I get, and the more tired I get, the more I'm thinking I need to learn to drink coffee. I woke up this morning, I'm like, I need coffee. And my wife's like, you don't drink coffee. I know, I need coffee. So we can, we can learn. We can learn to drink coffee. Or we can learn to eat some particular food that you may not enjoy, but because your spouse enjoys it, you make it for them. And you learn to eat it. We can learn because we have the ability to learn. But once you learn something, it's, it's much easier to learn it than it is to unlearn. So once you put it in and you become accustomed to it and it's part of what you feed on, it's real hard to unlearn it. So when we begin to feed on things that are of the world, we can reach a point where we not only have acquired an appetite for it, but now we feel like we can't live without it. It becomes addictive. While others say, well, I don't have any issues with it, but it's an issue with us because we have become so dependent upon it. Until we begin to try to persuade others, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. Of course you don't, because in your thought process, in your thinking, you have fed the flesh on the things of the world so long. Can I go deeper without offending you this morning? That's why we got to be careful about the music we listen to. No, I'm not telling you because you listen to a love song in your favorite genre that it's going to send your soul to hell. But I am telling you this morning that you've got to be careful to where it's not all you are putting in to your spirit. Because the more you feed it, the more adapted you become to it, the more accustomed to it, the more it feels like home to you. 
And the apostle says, be careful because you're learning. Your thought process is being developed. It doesn't matter whether you're 220 or 200. Your thought process is being developed by the things that you are putting in. Either the world or the spirit. Let me take you to a little to a little text of scripture, a little storyline in scripture that in Acts chapter 3 there is a story of a man who was lame from his mother's womb. I preached from that text here 3 months or so ago. There was a man lame from his mother's womb his whole life all he knew was being carried and laid daily by the gate of the temple and he asked alms of those who came to the temple this man was lame so long until his thinking became lame When two men came by who had a resolve to his problem, they did not want, he did not want the the, the solution. He was satisfied being carried everywhere he went, being carried, carried daily to the temple, sitting and asking alms. Here is where, this is the application I want to get to you. This morning, if we're not careful, we will become so satisfied with bringing our problems and our needs to church. We park in the parking lot, come in, carry our needs, bring them to the house of God, but our thinking does not change by the Word. As a matter of fact, if we're not careful, we'll get offended when the Word of God is preached. We don't want anything that's going to change or challenge our thinking. Well, that's not the way I see it. That's not the way that's not the way I've always thought of it. I've always thought of it as this. Then you need to be satisfied carrying your pain with you. Because before there ever comes your deliverance, there's going to have to come a change of your thinking. And so the preached word or the taught word of God comes to challenge our thinking. I want to challenge some of you this morning. I'm not trying to make you angry. I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm not even trying to offend you. That's why I say a lot of times, don't get offended at this. But I'm challenging your thinking. Because the only way out for you is for you to get a different mindset. I was talking to someone here a while back, and they, were, they said they needed a job. And I mentioned a job to them that they could get, and they said, I'm not working for that. That's barely above minimum wage. I'm not working for that amount of money. I said, how long have you been without a job? They said, about four months. I said, how much are you making sitting home? Because all of their 
subsidies had already ran out. They had drawn everything they could draw. And now they're sitting at home struggling. I'm not working for that. There's some bad thinking here. So you want the church to pay your light bill because you're not working for that. I tell you what, you go work for that and at the end of the month if you can't pay your light bill, come back and talk to me. We got a thinking problem. We got a thought problem. But the same is true. A lot of times, the issues that we deal with in our homes and in our family is not a kid problem. It's a thinking problem. I shared this story with you. I was in a wonderful establishment over in Lafayette a few months ago, several months ago. And I was waiting in line, and there was a family that came through. I'd noticed them earlier as I heard them screaming across the drive and then screaming through the store as a kid was bound and determined that they wanted something that the mom was not going to give them and the grandma was not going to give them, and they was, there was a screaming and yelling. And I finally got what I needed, and I headed up to the front And you would know that when I got in line, I was in line behind the screaming family. The little girl was so upset that she didn't get what she wanted. She was pitching a fit. Finally, the grandma tells the mom to take her outside. The mom grabs the kid, takes the kid outside. The grandma is standing there, looks at the lady at the counter and said, that is the worst kid. Out the door they went. The lady at the cash register looked at me, young lady. She looked at me and she said, doubtful that she had kids. That's why I qualify young lady. She said, oh. That kid is out of control. I said, no, ma'am. She looked at me funny. I said, those parents are out of control. Her eyes got big and she looked at me. I said, I don't claim to know everything, but I said, I watched how they handled that child through this store the whole time. That child is a product of the upbringing. I've counseled with people that come in. I've got this problem, Pastor. I've got this issue. I've got this issue. I've got this issue. As soon as you tell them the issue is the way you're looking at it, the way you're seeing it, the way you're thinking, they'll get mad and go find another preacher. Because they want their outcome with their thinking. Lame thinking. Calls the man that was brought every day and set by the set by the gate called beautiful, laid daily, the scripture said, at the gate, lame thinking, had gotten into his spirit so much that all he wanted was a little change. 
one of the greatest hindrances many Christians have in their lives is that they come to the house of God, but they will not allow the Word of God, whether it's preached, taught, brought to them through a song, or inspired by the Spirit of God, but they will not allow God to change their thinking. In other words, they like the music, the entertainment, and the fellowship, but they never engage into a submission of God, whatever you need to change in me, go ahead and change it. And I know it's probably going to start with my thinking before, it's, before it moves into my actions. Oh, did you get that? Because before your actions ever change, your thinking's going to have to change. The fact is that the carnal mind cannot understand the things of God. The word of God will offend carnal thinking because the carnal mind doesn't have the ability to comprehend spiritual things. The mind of Christ will cause one to think, I need more than just a little silver and gold dropped in my, in my change bucket. As I'm sitting by the gate. But the mind of Christ will cause one to believe. If I can just get into the presence of God. All I need is somebody to speak a word. All I need is for, is for a Peter or a John to come by my way. And to speak a word of faith over me. Or to take me by the hand and to lift me up. All I need. Let me ask you this morning. Is anything too hard for God? We say no because we know God can calm the storm. He can speak peace. He can change everything. But the hardest thing for God to do is change our minds. Because there's one thing that God left into your control. That's why the Apostle Paul said, I have to bring under my body. I have to bring my thoughts into captivity. I I have to do it. Look at your neighbor and tell him, I have to do this. I have to change my thinking. I have to bring my thoughts into captivity. I have to control my thought process. If not, if I don't do it, God won't do it for me. That's why I can sit through the preach word of God and my mind be wandering off and I'm, 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 I'm out on the golf course or out on the lake or, or, or I'm in the kitchen or I'm, I'm somewhere else because God doesn't control our thought process. We have to control it. And we will decide either I'll allow the flesh to control or I'll allow the Spirit of God to control. God's ability is established in Scripture. Jeremiah chapter 32, there's nothing too hard for thee. Matthew chapter 19, verse 26, but with God all things are possible. Luke chapter 1, verse 37, for with God nothing shall be impossible. I grew up singing an old old song around the church it is no secret what God can do what he's done for others he'll do for you and we know that we know all these things that God has done Psalm said for he spake and it was done he commanded and it stood fast Matthew chapter 8 says the winds and the waves were subject to him 
Matthew 14 and 25 said the sea becomes his sidewalk. In Exodus, Moses knew that God was able when he faced the Red Sea and he simply walked through on dry ground. Noah trusted in God's ability. When the flood came and he was and his family were saved inside the ark. In 1 Samuel, David knew that God was able to deliver him from the Philistine. All through the scripture, it declares over and over again, God can, God can. And so we agree with God. God can. I can read it and God can. But then when the Lord says, but I'm calling you to change your thinking. That's not the way I've always seen it. Come on, are you guilty of saying that? That's not the way I've always heard it. That's not the way I've always seen it. As I'm preaching this morning, if I'm speaking, teaching, whatever I'm doing this morning, as I'm talking to you today, images and faces come to mind of people that no longer walk with God. And the reason they no longer walk with God is because every time they were challenged to change their thinking, their response was always, that's not the way I've always seen it. That's not the way I've always done it. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. Now unto him who is able. Watch. Is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we're able to ask or think according to the power Can somebody finish this for me? According to the power that worketh in us. The in us part is in our mind. It's in our thinking. In other words, the apostle is saying, God is able to do more than you're able to think, more than you're able to ask. He's got an abundant supply But all of this power that God has works in us. Having the mind of Christ will cause us to take a step of faith and to trust God. And every time the word of God challenges my spirit, every time the word of God challenges my thinking, I want my preaching and my teaching to not just be a list of do's and don'ts. I want to challenge our thinking. I want, us to, I want our thought process, instead of us saying, Pastor, can I do this? Can I do that? I don't ever want to answer those questions, what you can do and can't do. Maybe I ought to start asking you. I don't know, can you? The issue is, is does it please God? That ought to be our thought process. Is my life pleasing to God? Is what I'm doing pleasing God? Is everything in my life pleasing God? The things that I'm doing, am I pleasing God with them? What would happen if we would become so focused on reading the Word of God and allow it to challenge the way we've been looking at it? Our thought process. Having the mind of Christ will cause us to start believing beyond anything we've ever believed for before. Here's ultimately what it'll do, and I'll be closing here in about five minutes. I see the looks on some of your faces. It's kind of like this. I know you're trying. Thank you for trying to stay with me. Sometimes I bore myself. 
That's when it's really bad. Having the mind of Christ will bring about the greatest revival that you've ever been part of. No, I didn't say the great revival of, of thousands of souls coming. I said the greatest revival you've ever been part of because revival truly is something that starts within us. And so if revival starts within us, it's got to be a change in us. And the revival begins right here in our minds and our hearts. In other words, the, the, over and over again, we find it in Scripture that the revival that we're looking for is for God to resurrect some things in us that we've allowed our worldly thinking to creep in, our worldly thoughts to creep in. And we need the mind of Christ. So what we need to do is allow something to begin to revive within us that we say, you know what, I, 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 I'm going to put away those old things that I do not need. I've been reading a book, and the book has challenged me to look at some things that I'm doing in my life and see what are not essentials, things that I can begin to, to, to cut out of my life, things I don't have to do, and start cutting some of those out because sometimes I feel overwhelmed. I know you'll never get there, but, but I, I get there where I feel like I've got more to do than I can get done. And so this book has challenged me to, be, to begin to look at some, some non-essentials in my life and, and, and cut those things out and put those things aside. Maybe that's what we need to do spiritually. We need to start saying, you know what, here's what I really want. I really want the mind of Christ. And so therefore, every morning when I get up, God, I want your mind. I want your thoughts. I want the mind of Christ. And I understand the only way I can have the mind of Christ is that I must feed on your word. I must feed on your thoughts. I must feed on your spirit. And so everything that's not like you today, I want you to help me recognize it as soon as it comes. And so when we get to work and there's a, a joke that we ought to not be listening to, that's not the mind of Christ. I'm going to cut that out. I'm not going to participate. I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to sit at the same table I've been sitting at. I'm going to change where I'm sitting because I want my mind to change. I want my thoughts to change. If, if, if every time I call somebody, all I get is this and that and negative, and then I'm not going to call them today. I'm just going to let that conversation go today. I'm going to feed on something that is good. I want to find somebody that will give me a scripture, give me a word, let me know they're praying for me. We need the mind of Christ. How many of us allow petty issues to keep us from serving God at our greatest or fullest capacity? We allow little things that have nothing to do with our, with, with our salvation. It's, it's petty preferences, petty things, petty thoughts. The great revival that I'm preaching about this morning is not the lame walking. It's for our thinking to change. We need a revival in our mind. We need to fasten our eyes upon the vision that God has for our lives and say, God, go ahead. I'm, gonna, I'm going to allow your word to change me. I'm going to trust this new way of thinking. I'm going to allow you to stretch my faith. Well, that's not the way I've always done it, Pastor. That's the point. Try something you've never tried before. Let God change your thinking. This won't be easy. But I believe that God will multiply your efforts. 
You'll multiply your efforts. What makes sense about this story? A lad with a lunch. A lad with a lad-sized lunch takes what he has, gives it to Jesus, gives it to the disciples, and it ends up feeding 5,000. How many of us, when the Lord says, anybody have any food? And the disciple says, well, there's one little kid over here. There's nobody with any food. There's one little kid over here. He's got a lad-sized lunch. How many of us have said, well, that ain't going to go very far? It's our thinking. We're not thinking that the multiplier is in the house. We're not thinking that the one that's able to cause a miracle, because, you know, he had already turned water into wine. But it's the thought process. How many of us, when we begin to pray for something, Let's pray for brother so-and-so. He needs a job. Yep, God can do that. Let's pray for sister so-and-so. She has cancer. Oh, no, she's going to die. Let's pray for their child who's gone wayward. They... They're, they're doing good, and they've just strayed away from God. They've just gotten busy. Yeah, God can bring them back. Let's pray for brother so-and-so's wayward child that has gone so far away from God. That's never going to happen. You're limiting God? We're judging and deciding who God can save and who God can't save, who God can restore and who He can't restore, who He can heal and who He can heal. Where does this thought process come from? Where does it come from? If we truly have the mind of Christ. Maybe we could all agree together even if it's not my idea talking about having the mind of Christ. Philippians chapter 2. Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and one mind. You know how the church grows? You know how things happen in the church? That scripture is probably one of the clearest and best scriptures. The church was born in the book of Acts. On the day of Pentecost, they were in one place, in one mind, and one accord. Oh, did, did it say in one mind? Yes, it did. In other words, one thought process. I'm preaching this morning. I'm speaking to families and individuals who really want to make a difference now and into the future in your life. I'm challenging you this morning. Would you allow God to begin to change your thinking? Maybe you've been hindered up to this point with traditional thinking or thinking that somebody has caused you to begin to think. But would you allow the Word of God to begin to challenge your thinking? I've never thought of it that way before. But I'll allow God to do that. I've never seen it that way before, but I'll allow God to do it.
I want to point out two common myths that are present among us. And these are two things I want to focus off in our altar call this morning that we're moving into right now. There are two common myths that I feel that is so prevalent among us in the church. The myth number one is that there are a lot of folks in, in this room this morning and you feel like I can't really do anything to affect the future. It's just going to be what it's going to be. That is a lie from the pit of hell. Every decision that you make will affect your future. Everything that you do will affect your future. The enemy wants you to, to think, do nothing, stay as you are, do nothing, don't change anything. Because you're never going to be able to affect the future. You'll never affect your future. You'll never affect your family. You'll never affect the church. You're never going to be effective in ministry. You, you're never going to do any of those things if you keep the same thought process. I'm challenging your thought process this morning. To understand that every step that you take. Someone looked at me. It was one of the best days for me. When someone looked at me and I was talking about being in debt and I had credit card debt and I didn't really know what to do and I said, I don't, I don't really, I, I'm so deep in debt, I don't even know where to begin. I need to, I mean, I need like major money. And someone looked at me and said, you know how you're going to get out of credit card debt? I said, how? I mean, I was really looking for an answer. forward and I'll never forget they looked at me and lifted up their finger like this and said one dollar at a time and it stuck it hit it challenged my thinking because I was thinking the only way I'm going to get out of credit card debt is I'm going to have to have some miraculous money come in and I need I need to have a hundred dollars or a thousand dollars or two thousand dollars that I can just put on that credit card debt and knock it all down at one time I never thought that if I would just send in one dollar and tomorrow another dollar that eventually I can make an impact in your life it's not one big massive thing I'm not calling you this morning I'm not speaking to the one this morning telling you well your answer is, is you need this big massive change in your life. My challenge to you this morning is to stop allowing the enemy to tell you, stay like you are, don't do anything because you can't affect the future. I'm telling you, your future can be different than what it is. Your family can be different than it is. Your relationship with God can be different than what it is. The second myth that I feel is very prevalent among us that the enemy speaks into so many lives and so many hearts that I want to challenge you in closing this morning is so many people in this room under the sound of my voice say I don't have much to offer and what little bit that I, I have to offer is not needed or won't make much of an impact and that is the second lie from the pit of hell. God rarely works with one who has a lot to offer. 
but rather God works through willing people who simply take what little bit that they have and they give that to him and he begins to multiply it and he begins to work on it and make it more and more when you look up and see somebody that's achieved a status I can tell you they didn't start there that's not where it began for them but they started with the simple thing my mind goes to the days and the hours some of you this morning look up here on the platform see a preacher in a suit and think wow I want to wake up one morning and be a preacher in a suit if you only knew someone said they wanted to be in the limelight I can promise you there's much more lime than light But ministry for me didn't start here. Ministry for me started in a nursing home, teaching Bible studies in my school, teaching home Bible studies, singing, being part of a choir, developing and growing, teaching Sunday school class, It was step at a time as God was developing and growing and preparing me to get me to where I am today. It didn't happen overnight. It's been a lifetime of small steps. And how many times have I gotten bent out of shape, been out of shape with God, been out of shape with authority, been out of shape with people around me because I am so offended because it's not the way that I see it. And the Lord puts me on hold until my, the way I see it changes. I'm challenging your thinking today. Would you allow God to change your thought process and would you begin to take one step at a time? If so, this whole message this morning that you have endured will be successful if you'll take one step at a time. Stand with me all over the room this morning. toward heaven right now and just begin to say God I surrender to you I surrender my heart my thoughts my life and shaping you this morning. to your heart this morning. I open these altars if you'd like to step forward today. If there's one today that says God's challenging me this morning, 
Oh